It's Wednesday, November 12th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Mark Reith, and joining me in studio for Million Dollar Portfolio, Mike Olson. How's it going, man? It is good. How are you, sir? I'm just so happy to have you back in here. It feels great. Too it's long. been too long since we've played. Too long. Too long. Uh, we've got plenty to talk about today, including a new purchase by Yahoo and earnings from Macy's. But we begin with the latest in bank settlements. And Mike, I say the latest because it feels like we get news of one of these settlements every few months now. Yeah. So I, I think this is kind of like it's almost become a comedy act in and of the fact that, you know, the argument is gone that regulators are evaluating banks more than ever. That has been discounted in the prices. There's been a balance sheet cleanse because, you know, well, all the bad stuff has happened. And yet we keep seeing more settlements, more fines, more settlements. Um, right. And so you, you kind of have to ask, if you're an analyst and you're modeling these companies, in the, the traditional confine of, of a model, you'll see one of these big fines and you'll say, oh, it's a one-off. It's a non-recurring item. This mm-hmm. doesn't reflect the business's core earnings power. But then you go ahead and say, well, I mean, <laughs> what has there been a quarter where there's not a fine for a major bank? Um, and so maybe that is kind of like a line item you should be modeling. I'm not sure how to discreetly model that. One, <laughs> terrible, terrible mistakes. Yeah, just well, one line. I, 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 you know, and that that kind of gets to the bigger thing, which is, you know, I get and accept that there are going to be bad agents in any given business. That's mm. just, you know, sort of a fact of life. But it becomes a, a much bigger issue when you are an operation that operates with 10 times leverage. You know, small errors can really mushroom. And I mean, I just kind of go back to this whole idea. Um, Buffett is famous for saying there are no called strikes in investing. Um, Hmm. And Seth Klarman, he wrote uh, another very famous value investor, um, wrote that, you know, he wrote this piece on the value of acknowledging what you do not know. Um, And and I, I just find myself asking why I need to take an opinion on these things. Um, I mean, maybe I'm on the other side of the smart folks because, hell, I mean, Warren Buffett's largest position is Wells Fargo. But mm. I, if, if this is the bottom um, for banks and, you know, this, well, I mean, obviously it's not the bottom because the credit crisis was. Right. But in the event this is a period which presages much greater returns for banks, I am very comfortable being wrong here because <laughs> um, I just don't know how anyone can really know. Um, okay, so then what's an investor to do? I mean, again, like you said, every every couple of months, this newest one, the total fines $3.4 billion. Yeah. Five banks, $3.4 billion. It's happening. With relative frequency, how does an investor take that into account? Like you said, is it a line item that they model? Is it just something that they uh, that they accept, or are we just staying away from banks until the craziness is over? I mean, I think you just stay away from banks on kind of a <laughs> habitual basis. Um, you know, most of the large banks, um, for the most part, these are these are tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, large organizations, billions, billions, billions. In loans, and so you, and and then you know, you have ten times financial leverage. That is, for every dollar of unencumbered assets you have, you have ten dollars worth of debt. Hmm. Um, and I just have a very hard time figuring out how I can understand what the earnings power of this company is, how the sausage is made. So, I I'm very content not having a position on them. Um, some people will make a lot of money in them. I. Think that you know those people are smarter than me, and I, I welcome that. Um, good for them. 
Some people made a lot of money on them. Some people lost a lot of money on those banks. Maybe, right. Maybe best not to play They were game. also smart people. Um. <laughs> right. Yeah. Fair. Very, very good point. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Less about less about bank troubles and more about Yahoo, which has started to spend some of that Alibaba money. Uh, yeah. They've bought Brightroll, which, as I understand it, is a platform for video ads. They bought it for $640 million. Uh, Mike, first and foremost, what do we know about Brightroll and why is Yahoo interested in it? Right. So, Brightroll, effectively speaking, they kind of act as a broker for video ads. So, they are connecting people who want to place their ad inventory, the buyers, with people who have ad inventory. what what they and and it's a it's a pretty good business actually because you know you have all these data stores surrounding like buying behavior so on and so forth, and you can go ahead and match sellers. Then what they do they act as a marketplace and what they engage in is called programmatic advertising. And what that is most basically it's an automated ad buying process. Mm. Um, so there, Yahoo's buying a network here. Um, it's different than their core business, and that that's that's interesting because they aren't necessarily hosting ads on their property. Some people will argue that they do not control their destiny in that regard. Right. Um, Wasn't well, that one of Marissa Meyer's new uh, new business strategies? More native hosting for those ads. Right. Well, and so you know, this is not necessarily going to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, you could argue that uh, Brightroll's core service offering becomes more valuable if they are to go ahead and marry it to the data they have on advertising or on ad yields Mm -hmm. from Yahoo's core display ad business. Also bear in mind that they can use Brightroll as a means of hosting video ads on Yahoo properties. Um, And so, you know, I I think this is not necessarily a game changer, but it's an interesting tack. Um, If you were to go ahead and think maybe about Yahoo on a very, very long-term basis, you suppose this is a company which serves as one part ad broker and one part you know where they have this display ad mm. business um, and arguably speaking they could go ahead and increase the value in this display ad business by more effectively by being a more effective arbiter of um, the marketplace itself right. and creating efficiency and transparency so you know this is a step in the right direction but certainly you know, when you think about the core Yahoo business, more dramatic surgery is necessary. A lot of that value, <laughs> it's tied up in the Alibaba shares. Um, and certainly, it's a very valuable property. But right. I don't know that I'm necessarily a buyer of Yahoo shares on these on this news. Gotcha. And what do you think about a lot of the, a lot of the media outlets right now are trying to figure out how Yahoo uses Brightroll with Tumblr, one of their other big acquisitions. They bought it for a billion dollars <laughs> a little while back. Any thoughts on that? Because I can't figure that out. Right. I, I think that, you know, Maybe this enables them to direct some of that video ad inventory to Tumblr, okay. uh, making that a seamless experience within the confines of the user, the users uh, from the user's perspective. It's a little bit hard. Um, I think that you know one thing you can do is if the idea is this is a programmatic ad buying service or platform, mm-hmm. um, knowing what you do of user behavior. Um, from Tumblr might inform pricing of ads on Brightroll. So, you know, there 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 is potential there. Um, it's obviously the devil's in the details. There are a lot of execution, um, or there are a lot of operational bits that go into this. Um, and I'm by no means the guy who's doing that. <laughs> I do see ways they can make it valuable, though. Okay. All mm-hmm. right. Benefit of the doubt for right now. But like you said, Yahoo. 
and they got some we got some core issues to fix as well. Right. Um, uh, speaking of core issues, Macy's just reported earnings. Uh, it was a bit of a mixed quarter. You know, sure. earnings were up, revenue was down. A little concerning. Same store sales were down as well. And perhaps most importantly, their expectations for next quarter, they lowered their estimates. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's going on with Macy's? Yeah, so um, this is just a tough quarter, and it's kind of reflective of what, broadly speaking, is sort of a mixed <coughs> consumer environment. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of these retailers are, are lapping what were better years, and so the comparisons are getting tougher. Um, you still have a, a very tentative consumer in sort of the middle market, and that is Macy's bread and butter. Um, to management's credit, they you know they maintained growth, gross margins despite the decline in sales, and they were actually able to measurably increase their operating margins. Quite impressive, mm-hmm. testament to their ability to go ahead, cut costs, be efficient, manage inventories. Um, and yeah, the guidance cut it was it was marginal, but it did indeed happen. Right. Um, you know, among retailers, and and again, this is a space that I'm none too fond of for the fact that. You know, it's just kind of a, it's a hard one to wrap your head around where mm-hmm. competition is cutthroat. There are really no switching costs. There's no reason consumers should continue to come to one store from a, you know on a year to year and quarter to quarter basis. Right. But I do think they're relatively well positioned. Their their relative dominance within the department store sphere it allows them to negotiate favorable terms with suppliers, stock a reasonable product mix, and they get the supply chain and inventory management management elements right. They've also been a leader in e-tailing, and they've done a very you know they've been very intelligent about marrying the internet experience mm-hmm. or the you know your web shopping experience with the store base and leveraging those two things in inventory management. Um, but you know, you, you still have to kind of go ahead and ask yourself, um, I don't think anyone would have said like JCPenney is going to look as it as it does now maybe five years ago. Okay. Um, Fair. And you know, so Macy's it's been very capably managed. Terry Lundgren has done an excellent job. Mm-hmm. I give him all the credit in the world. This is a very hard sphere to management, you know, all that. But I just don't think that anyone can really go ahead and reasonably assert that they know what Macy's will look like in five to ten years. Hmm. Um, and so, you know, if you have an unbelievably pressing desire to play the space, you know, you just love department store retailers, and I mean, really, who doesn't? Oh um, yeah, of course. I get excited about those things. <laughs> um, it isn't a horrible deal at fifteen times earnings, um, but. You know, I, I really wouldn't expect it to shoot the lights out. And, you know, yet again, given my choices, I'd just rather not have an opinion. I, I mean, <laughs> I'll, I'll leave this to smarter people. Uh, There's a lot people, of that going on here. Right. Well, I mean, it's just like I, I, I'm happy to let people who want to try and predict the future on completely unpredictable quantities mm. go ahead and do that. I'm not smart enough and I'm not fashionable enough. <laughs> How dare you? That that Henley long sleeve shirt is very fashionable. Well, thank you. Thank yeah, you. Absolutely. Um, uh, are you are you a holiday shopper at all? Because Macy's decided to open their doors at six p.m. on Thanksgiving this year. To you know, bring the I'm not shoppers. gonna I'm not gonna be there on Thanksgiving. No? Um, uh. I'm an Amazon shopper for holidays to the extent I can do. I I just the mere idea of appearing in a Macy's on Thanksgiving Day <laughs> or or any time any weekend between then and Christmas gives me enormous amounts of anxiety, and I I also just 
it pains me to think that I will be wasting my life in that morass. Um, <laughs> wow. Yeah. Strong uh, words. Well, I, it has nothing, nothing to do with Macy's so much as it is just like I, I don't want to spend my life in a mall. Um, sorry. Very mm-hmm. reasonable. Very reasonable. I personally am a big Black Friday shopper. Love it. Oh, really? Huge fan. Really? He, only You're, only within the last couple of years. You get in the spirit. I'm one of those people. I'm one of those guys. Five a.m. I'm out the door. I'm wow. at I'm at the I'm at the Macy's or wherever. It's great. As uh, I mean, not to not to be too stereotypical, but that, there aren't too many men out there on Black Friday. You go to a men's department store, you got the place to yourself. That is true. 5 a.m. Mm-hmm. I mean, it right. ain't too shabby. No, and yeah. be, being a single male, hey, not a bad place to be. Not a bad play no, at all. No, Michael no, Olson, no. You, you scoundrel, you. All right, <laughs> let's move on. Uh, last yes. but certainly not least, uh, the U.S. and China have actually reached an accord about their emissions. But looking at some of the numbers that were announced uh, after this, this um, summit that the two, company, or two countries had, excuse me, it looks like not really much has changed, actually. The right. U.S. <laughs> is going to cut emissions by up to 28% from 2005 levels by 2025. I've seen that number before. And China said its emissions would peak by 2030. They're going to try to get like 20% of its energy supplies from non-fossil fuels by 2030. Mm-hmm. Same old, same old, right? Or am I right. missing something I mean, Well, yeah. I mean, it, it, it's notable for what it says, as much for what it says as for what it does not say. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I think, I think it's pretty interesting. Um, because it seems like people are continuously in the habit of agreeing to these things. Mm. And, you know, it comes to brass tacks or it will cause anyone, you know, some measurable amount of pain. These things are very difficult to enforce and end up going by the wayside. Right. Um, you know, I think that in China's case, to the extent um, shifting away from coal-based generation results in a meaningful increase in, in power supply or mm. in the cost of power for consumers – they're going to think twice about that really quickly, um, and I think so. I think two. There are two sort of very critical observations. The first is yes, the U.S. to say we're going to cut twenty six to twenty eight percent from two thousand five levels. Mm-hmm. Two thousand five, operant word. Um, <laughs> we've done a lot of that work. That was nine years ago. Right. Um, and you know, I think that the bit on China is pretty interesting. So they're saying they aim to stop increasing carbon emissions by two thousand thirty. Mm-hmm. I am willing to bet, in fact, I know they will build a lot of coal-fired power plants in the interim. Hmm. Um, And, you know, so that's kind of the key word in that one. Um, In the realm of sort of unintended consequences, another thing that's interesting is, so the idea here, of course, is to go ahead and push countries, you know, large industrial nations or just large consumers of power writ large, away from coal-fired generation, because that will reduce, of course, carbon emissions. But curtailing developed world coal investment will, in all likelihood, so in the near term, it will push coal prices down. That will push world coal investment into the hands of other developing nations, because they will see a comparative advantage there. And so I can almost guarantee you that in doing that, if they if that is indeed the consequence, it will push coal into the hands of India and Indonesia. Um, huh. I think I also think you know not for nothing, but um, you know Mitch McConnell's already come out and said it. This, this legislation's DOA, uh, or, or if there is indeed any sort of legislation or mandate, it's DOA in a Republican Congress. Hmm. Um, I think that you know, kind of writ large, you know, I, I think that coal-fired power generation, at least for you know maybe the next twenty years. It will actually increase, uh, however unfortunate. Um, given given a longer view, though, I I think that it's very difficult, even if coal-fired generation does increase, to conceive of a circumstance where that that sort of 
variant perception on coal stocks pays off because the market is continuously of the view that investors in coal stocks will be on the wrong side of history. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know what what changes that perception? I don't really know. Um, so you know, I, I think that you know maybe these coal stocks are cheap, but I don't I don't really know why or how that changes. If you want to go ahead and play that, uh, you know, I think uh, Cloud Peak Energy, um, Rocky's focused coal producer, uh, you know, they, their coal has a relatively lower carbon content hmm. um, and is more energy efficient than the others. Low cost producer. They're an interesting way to play. They are not as leveraged as some of the others. Another is Peabody. Basically, the same sort of theme there. Um, I, th- I think these are these are interesting at the margin, but I I don't really, you know, I don't, I don't find myself pounding the table over it. Right. No coal for the holidays for you. No. no. Well, to each their own. To each yeah. their own. All Macy's. right. Macy's. Macy's over coal. Macy's over coal. I like that. I, mm. I'm going to drag you out to a Macy's Black Friday. It's going to be a lot of fun. I, it'll be. I, I would love to go to a Macy's with you. Um. <laughs> Perfect. All right. I guess we're going shopping. Yeah. <laughs> Mike Olson, Woo. thanks for being here, man. Thank you. As always, people on this program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Mark Reith. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. Tomorrow.